Welcome to Between Two Lips, a podcast dedicated to all things pelvic health for women. I'm your host, Kim Vopney, the Vagina Coach, and I am excited to share with you information from leading pelvic health professionals from around the world, stories from women at all life stages who have faced struggles and successes, and of course, I share a little about my own pelvic health journey as well. There is too much silent suffering associated with the female pelvis, and I am on a mission to change that. It's time we talk openly about a part of the body that deserves a whole lot more attention than it gets. Join me each week for casual and candid conversations that will both inform and inspire you to optimize your pelvic health for life. Hello and welcome to Between Two Lips. This is the official trailer for the new podcast. My name is Kim Bopney. I'm your host. I am known as the Vagina Coach and I would like to share in this episode an introduction to how I became the Vagina Coach, how I came to launching this podcast, and a little bit about my personal and professional journey to get where I am today. So it all started in sixth grade where I saw a childbirth video as part of our sexual health education and that put a little bit of fear in me but it also fascinated me a little bit and I remember going home and looking at my mom a little differently and I started to ask her questions. My mom being an OR nurse she was very open with body information. She was very transparent about her own body which at the time was a little bit cringy maybe but I am grateful for having had that information and that openness, that willingness to share planted in me. But I witnessed the changes that happened sort of as I grew up and the the transition away from fitness that I saw my mom experience. She talked about back pain. She had a tummy that wouldn't flatten. She stopped running. She had eventually had surgery for incontinence. She had a hysterectomy. And at the time, when I look back, I wish I had the knowledge that I do now to be able to share with her because her story may be a little bit different. But it it planted that seed of, I don't want to have babies. Pregnancy and birth really do a number on the body, and I'm not interested in that. So growing up, I had I remember having a sticker album, and I put in sayings that I was never going to have a baby, and that was just... That was just the way that it was. So once I grew up, I met my now husband. We got married and decided I did want to start a family. I was determined to have a different story than my mom. The year before I was pregnant, I was able, fortunate enough to watch my sister-in-law give birth. And knowing what I know now about birth, we were invited into the birth room really at probably the worst possible time right as my niece was crowning, but it did not stall my sister-in-law and nothing nothing hindered the process. But I remember walking into the room and my sister-in-law was in a side-lying position, which I had never seen before. So my first comment to myself was, how do you give birth in that position? And then we positioned ourselves towards the end of the bed, probably, I could say, about five or six feet away from the end of the bed that she was on. And then my next comment to myself was, oh my God, that's a big vagina. And I watched the sort of ebb and flow. There was almost like a progression and a regression of the the presentation of my niece's head that eventually led to her birth not too long later. 
And it was amazing. It was miraculous. It was definitely a TSN turning point in my life. And I remember the next day talking to my sister-in-law and saying, you know, is everything falling out of you? Because I saw how big your vagina was. And she said, no, feels a little tender, but overall things feel pretty normal like they did before. She had done perineal massage. She had used midwives. She was in a sideline birth position. And these are all things that I later learned were definitely playing a role or definitely did play a role in her birth outcome. So the following year when I was pregnant, I also was using midwives. I asked them about what else I could do other than perineal massage to help prevent tearing. And at the time, all I really knew of in terms of pelvic floor dysfunction was incontinence, urinary incontinence, because that's what I had seen my mom struggle with. And they had recommended, my midwives had recommended to, to me an, a product called the Epino. And Epino stands for no episiotomy. And this is a product from Germany. And the creator of the product was a German physician who was in Africa. And he saw women using gourds of increasing size to prepare their pelvic floor for birth. And he thought, that's a great idea. However, I don't think that's really going to fly elsewhere in the world. So he wanted to make it a bit more mainstream. And he worked with a team of doctors and physiotherapists and midwives, and they created a biofeedback device called, again, the Epino. And it has now been available since, I believe it was launched in about 1992. So I purchased one of these products and I had a great experience. Now, I was also in a sideline position. I was using midwives. They used counter pressure on my perineum. I felt very supported, but I had no tearing and no abrasions, even though my son, my first son came out in a transverse presentation, which is the widest way possible. So they were really quite amazed that I didn't have any tearing or abrasions at all. And so I, that really confirmed to me that the Epino played a significant role in my positive birth experience. So then I contacted the company, the manufacturer of the Epino, and I said, could I be a distributor here in Canada? And really, my intention was to have a sort of a side gig. And now, obviously, 18-ish years later, that turned into a much more of a side gig. But that was the, the catalyst. And I started selling these on the side. I did use it personally for my second birth. And in 2009, I was laid off from my corporate job. So I had this little side business with the Epino and I said, I got laid off and I thought, I wonder if I could turn this side thing into a real thing. And at the time, this was in 2009, we had Facebook, but it was very much a personal platform and Twitter was on the scene and that was sort of the first business type social media platform. And I was reaching out to other people anybody who was talking about pelvic health. And it was very difficult to find anybody, sort of like crickets that every time you put in hashtag pelvic floor. And then one day I got a hit from Dr. Bruce Crawford. He is a urogynecologist in Reno, Nevada. And he had created a fitness program specific to the pelvic floor. And everything that I had been reading up to that time was talking about the pelvic floor in isolation. And we needed to isolate the pelvic floor and nothing else could sort of co-contract. And that never really made sense to me. And his program was talking about a whole host of, of muscles all working together. And that made total sense to me. So I reached out to him. I purchased his program. 
and loved everything he was doing. I even went down to visit him in Reno, Nevada to get hooked up to his wireless EMG. So this is how he was recording the activity in the pelvic floor and the other muscle groups to learn about the approach that I had started to, to use, which was with the breath in the pelvic floor and to see if that made a difference. I ended up teaching with him on his course for a couple of years. And in in that time frame, I also started a second business with two other women called Bellies Inc. And we were recognizing that postpartum recovery was a little bit overlooked. Now, I had already created a program called Prepare to Push. So after I lost my job and I said, hey, let me see what I can do with this EpiNo thing, I started an e-commerce store. I started to add a few different pelvic health products. I started to learn all that I could and then re- created Prepare to Push because I was saying that, you know, I'm I'm talking about fitness principles when I'm talking about the pelvic floor. And I, there there is like a perfect synergy between the principle of specificity from fitness and childbirth that nobody's talking about. So I wanted to apply fitness principles to the body and to the pelvic floor to help people prepare for birth, to prepare to push. So that was my first program. Started doing that kind of in conjunction with meeting Dr. Crawford. And then I was recognizing that postpartum recovery was really over overlooked. So that's where Samantha and Julia, my two former business partners, came into play. Julia is a pelvic floor physical therapist and Samantha is a, a personal trainer like myself. And the two of us, sorry, the three of us wanted to change postpartum recoveries for the better. And we recognized that postpartum exercise was a missed opportunity in so many conversations and any of the existing products, which weren't many that were out there. So we worked, we thought this would take not very much time and that we would still have our own independent businesses and we would just sell this little product as part of our businesses. Well, that business ended up taking over our lives and our other businesses sort of took the the side seat And we grew Bellies Inc. And we also created a certification course for other fitness professionals because Samantha and I both worked in fitness. Julia, being a physical therapist, she was afraid almost to send her patients out to to fitness professionals because we simply do not receive training in the pelvic floor when we are getting certified for fitness. And it's really kind of shocking because the pelvic floor is a group of muscles like we have elsewhere in the body and arguably play very important roles that we really need to know about from a fitness perspective. So we combined our efforts, the three of us, and we created a certification course called the Core Confidence Specialist Certification. And to my knowledge, we were the first, I think we were the first, we were definitely the first in Canada. There are several other ones that are out there now, but we still teach that course together and it has has helped open the eyes to so many fitness and movement professionals, even chiropractors, massage therapists, and non-internal physios about the importance of the pelvic floor and movement. So then we were all sort of juggling the manufacturing side of things and the the growth of Belly Zinc with our own independent businesses. And at the end, we decided to sell that business. We None of us really went into this wanting to be responsible for manufacturing. We had no idea what it was going to be like when we were uh, talking about it. So we let that go. It's now in the hands of another amazing birth professional, Samantha Gagnon, and she is the new owner of Belly Zinc. So it still exists. It still on- is ongoing and offering the amazing ab system and exercise for pregnant women and new moms. 
And the courses stayed with me. And that allows me to continue doing what I love to do, which is teach and also do that collaboratively with my former business partners as well. And then, then along the way, so initially, my handle or my sort of brand was fitness doula. So because I was a personal trainer, because I was working primarily with pregnant women and new moms, I came up with this term fitness doula. I had also trained as a, as a doula. And I was taking, again, the principles of specificity from fitness. I was also taking principles of birth prep from my doula training and postpartum doula retraining and combining them together. And as I went through my own different life stages and moved beyond that sort of early motherhood and into perimenopause, then started to work pe- with people who were postmenopause, the term doula wasn't resonating quite as much. So I knew I needed a little bit of a change. and. In, I believe it was 2016, 2016 or 2017, I was invited to speak at the Mompreneur National Conference in Toronto. And this was a group of about, I think, about 350 women entrepreneurs. And I had written a blog post for the organization that was titled How Optimizing Your Pelvic Health Can Make You a Better Mompreneur. And it was that blog post that, that was sort of the catalyst to have me invited to make that into a presentation at the national conference. And everybody at the conference, all of the speakers were some sort of a business coach, whether it was marketing or strategy or finance, it was some sort of a coach. And when I came up on stage, I joked and said, now you have a vagina coach for your business. And that was a light bulb moment for me. I was standing up there wanting to make this presentation, but in the meantime, it's so excited thinking, that's it, that's it, that's what I need. And hoping that the domain was still available and hoping that all the social media channels would be available. And thankfully they all were. So that was the, the turning point for kind of a brand shift. And that's when things really started to, I would say, open up for me because the, it, it was a bigger conversation now. It wasn't just pregnancy and birth. It was recognizing that pelvic health was something that is with us through all of our life stages. It was talking about a word that I think is one of the most hated in the English dictionary. Nobody likes to say the word vagina, but we have to normalize this. It's a part of the body. So that was the impetus and also that it brought attention to where I want people to focus. And it's also memorable. Once you say it, people don't forget it. So it, it, it was, it filled all sort of ticked all the boxes. And that's when the, Vagina Coach was born, even though I had been doing work in this field for for many years prior. So where I'm at now is my e-commerce store that I had started with the Epino and a bunch of other products closed at the end of 2018. And the reason for that closure was Health Canada implemented a new medical device regulation procedure that was a lot more costly and had a lot more hoops to jump through. So Many smaller manufacturers chose to leave Canada, and the manufacturer of the Epino was one of those companies. I fought really hard. I was written up in the Globe and Mail newspaper. For those listeners that are not in Canada, that's kind of the, the one of the most recognized and, and highly respected newspapers that did, thankfully, give a voice to this change that was affecting not just me and my business, obviously, but many other people who used products from these other 
companies. There was about 150-ish at last count who chose to leave Canada at that time with that decision. So once that I knew that was beyond my control, I decided to close the e-commerce store down and focus on Bellies Inc. And then it was a couple of years later when Bellies Inc. was sold. And that left me with an opportunity to really focus on my coaching and my teaching and my online programs. And I was grateful for that in, in looking back. It was very fortunate that I had put all of my eggs into that online basket prior to COVID because we all know what happened with COVID and everybody was scrambling to put their things online. And I was really grateful to be there and to be able to fill a need for people that were no longer able to see people in person. So we talked before about my births. I had used the EpiNo and I was able to avoid tearing, which really at the end of the day was my biggest hope. At the time, I thought that if I prevented tearing, I would therefore prevent the incontinence that my mom had struggled with. I had no idea what pelvic organ prolapse was. I had no idea what pelvic pain was. I I knew none of that. So it was about, I'd say about eight months-ish after the birth of my second child, where I was doing some exercise in a fitness class, and I felt like I was going to pee my pants. And then I just sort of didn't think too much of it, other than I'm getting into pelvic health as a profession, I really should know what to do about this. And then when I was running one day, I also experienced some leaking. And I thought, okay, I need to, I need to get on top of this. And it was around that time that I was starting my business and I was starting my second business as well, Bellies Inc. And I was, had been working with urogynecologist, Dr. Bruce Crawford. And I also had taken training with a physiotherapist named Julie Weeb. And that was the first introduction to the concept of the core canister and what are contributors to pelvic floor dysfunction, and how we can retrain that group of muscles. So I applied those principles to me and was able to quite quickly resolve stress urinary incontinence and have not ever dealt with it again since. And so everything was fine. And then I was learning about diastasis recti, and I learned that I had that and started to focus on the abdominal wall, and then also looking at the link between the abdominal wall and the pelvic floor. And that was while the business side was growing as well. And in, I'm trying to remember exactly when, but it was around the time Billy Zinc had been around for a couple of years. And I had started to experience some weird symptoms. When I look back now, I can address most of it to perimenopause, which I had never heard of at the time. But there was also a little bit of autoimmune issue going on there as well. But during that time, I started to develop constipation. And probably about mm, a month or sorry, a year or so before then, after I had learned about pelvic health physical therapy, after I was learning the work of Dr. Crawford and had been taking the course with Julie Weeb. I decided to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. I had also had them referring to me for the EpiNo, referring customers to me, and I had never heard of pelvic floor physical therapy. And once I actually, you know, initially I thought, well, I don't need to go because I don't 
have an issue. And then once I started to get incontinence, I thought, well, you know, I guess maybe I should go. Once I did go and learned about what they do and how they do it, I also felt like I did with the epino and thought, how is it that not every single person giving birth is doing this? Why don't we have access to this? So once I learned what was happening and was had already worked on overcoming my incontinence, I also found out I had an early stage rectocele, which that is a type of pelvic organ prolapse. I had zero symptoms. The pelvic floor was not concerned about it. She just said, it's just there, just kind of so you know about it. And I thought, okay, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. And so as I continued to learn more about the pelvic floor and about prolapse in particular, I learned that prolapse was actually more common than incontinence. And I started to become a little bit concerned because I was now struggling with constipation. For the first time in my life, I had always been incredibly regular, never had any issues, and this had kind of come out of the blue. So as I was trying to figure that out, while raising two kids, while running two businesses, I was trying to navigate this whole world of hormone imbalance that I didn't know the term perimenopause as of yet. I was trying to read books. I was trying to know who to see, what healthcare professionals to ask questions about. And that was years of dealing with these symptoms and also still struggling with, I wouldn't say chronic, but fairly occasional constipation. I ended up developing a stage two uterine prolapse and my rectocele progressed as a result of not being able to completely get the constipation under control. And I actually had zero symptoms. I was, you know, this may be TMI for some, but we are talking about pelvic health and I, most people know I am very transparent. I was having sex with my husband and it all of a sudden felt like he hit something. And he even said it felt like he hit something as well. And it felt uncomfortable. And I thought, oh, that was like what happened. And I thought, you know, did we shift out of a different position? But I went to see my pelvic floor physio, who I had seen about probably six to eight months prior. And she said, yeah, your your uterus is moving south. And I thought, well, I mean, I didn't have any symptoms. But now that I have been working in this world, I understand that oftentimes early stage prolapse is asymptomatic. And so now I was determined to overcome this, obviously. And it was interesting how off, how all of a sudden I did become symptomatic with the knowledge that I had prolapse and with the fear that I didn't want to make things worse. Around the same time, I learned about a technique called hypopressives, also called low pressure fitness. And I probably about a year or so after I first learned about it, maybe about a year and a half or so, I had taken a certification course, the first one in Canada, and started to apply that technique to my body. And I was able to reverse my stage two uterine prolapse, which was fantastic. It didn't change the rectocele. And as I now knew about perimenopause and started to learn about all of the things I was dealing with and all of the possible contributors to it and the autoimmune component, once I got that under control and really truly understood what was happening, the constipation resolved. However, the rectocele didn't. Now, rectocele can contribute to constipation and constipation can exacerbate rectocele and make you very symptomatic on days where it's difficult to empty. So with a prolapse, you can have a bulge with a rectocele in particular, a bulge in the back 
wall of the vagina. With a bladder prolapse, it would bulge in the anterior wall. With a uterine prolapse, it descends from the top of the vagina down. So poop can get trapped in that pocket and make it difficult to completely empty. And I struggled on and off with this. There was good days, there was bad days. And as I got closer to menopause, there were fewer and fewer good days. And I had kind of secretly been considering surgery. I didn't talk about it with my husband. I went to have a surgical consult. And it wasn't until I walked away from that with a surgery date booked that I actually told my husband what I was thinking of doing. He was fully supportive. I've also been very open with him along the way. And I know that that can be a struggle for many. Pelvic health is not easy to talk about. And I feel fortunate that, first of all, I was in the line of work that gave me the education, but also that I I was able to talk very openly with my husband so he knew what was going on. And he knew from the beginning, he just didn't know the surgery piece because I felt ashamed. How could I, as a pelvic health professional who is trying to help people avoid surgery, how could I now go and pursue surgery? One of the other symptoms that I was dealing with was very heavy bleeding. And even though I had booked that initial surgery, I had in the back of my mind thinking, have I really truly resolved my constipation? And what if I have heavy bleeding on the day of my procedure? So I knew I needed to get those totally out of the way first. So I canceled that initial surgery. And probably about a year or so later, I booked it again. I was had seen some improvement. I'd been bleeding a little less heavily, experiencing constipation a little less often. But I still ended up saying, I can't do this. I need to resolve these first, 100%. So I ended up canceling a surgery a second time. And it was about From the first time I considered surgery to when I actually did go forward with it, it was about four years. So in December of 2020, I decided to, I had booked and went forward with a rectocele repair. I had tried everything I possibly could to eliminate the symptoms and improve the rectocele and nothing was working. I got my bleeding under control. I had my hormones all in check. I was no longer constipated. Everything was tickety-boo. And I was still struggling with these symptoms that were interfering with the quality of my life. So I chose to have surgery. And it was a very big decision for many reasons. One being my business. I was afraid to announce this to my community, which over the years I had built a fairly substantial following who I didn't want to come out now and say, that I was choosing surgery. What I did though is I, I reached out to another woman in similar space. She was in the, the diastasis space and she had abdominal wall repair for her diastasis. And I reached out to her about her decision to have surgery. And in speaking with her, it sort of gave me a little bit of calm and reassurance. And we both recognized that surgery is an option that people pursue that people may want that people may need and there is zero education around it and we are in the fortunate position to be professionals in that space where we can go through the experience with a different lens and be able to help people using that information that we gather along the way to help others going through that same process 
So when I came, when I came out with my decision, I was actually really, it made, it brought so much joy to me, the, the messages that people were sending me about my decision and about some, uh, some people even had said, you know, I'm a pelvic health professional. I've had surgery and I didn't tell anybody because I was ashamed. And now you're giving me kind of reflection. I'm, I'm thinking about changing that so that I can share with my community as well. So that sort of, it was almost like, I don't want to say it was completely full circle, but it, from my story beginning with wanting to prevent tearing and thinking that if I prevented tearing, that everything was going to be fine. And then recognizing that, hey, even though I prevented tearing, I still was dealing with incontinence and, oh, look at that. Now I have a, an organ prolapse and I was resolved. I resolved one, but it couldn't the other. And I'm now contemplating surgery. One of the risks of surgery, pelvic surgery in particular, is pelvic pain afterwards. I knew that was a risk and it is something that I did experience, but I felt very confident going in that I would have the tools and the amazing professionals to be able to help me. And I was able to overcome that. So I've kind of covered the gamut of incontinence and organ prolapse, pelvic surgery, pelvic pain. And I feel very fortunate really to be able to bring light to this information, to bring personal experience to this line of work, and also to bring the knowledge that I gain from all the other amazing pelvic health professionals that I learn from. Because this isn't talked about enough. And I'm hoping that with this platform, with this podcast, that it's a place where people can come and listen in the privacy of their own homes, where they can learn, where they can find hope and inspiration. And not just from me and what I did, but from the others, some of which who helped me along the way, some of which whose businesses I support because they have amazing products that I used or still use. We we have to open up this conversation. And I hope that this is a robust offering of information to you. So thank you very much for following, for listening. I hope you take value. I hope you find some hope in my story and know that you're never alone in this, that there are so many options and solutions available to you. And I'm hoping to bring them all onto the podcast for you so you can find your own path of healing with regards to your pelvic health. And that's now where I'm at. And I have been so fortunate to help people around the world through various life stages whether it's from a prevention perspective when they're pregnant or whether it's from a postpartum recovery perspective or even people who have never been pregnant who are now facing challenges at some point in their life and feeling grateful and thankful that they have options that they didn't know that they had. And the podcast, the, the title of the podcast is needs to be credited to my friends Tobin and Sarah. They are the ones who have done my amazing photography, who filmed for my professional programs. They are branding geniuses. And we were together, the three of us in my office, and they were helping me set up my lighting so that I would be able to do some filming on my own. And during that visit, they were talking about, you know, maybe one day you could have guests come into your office and you could film interviews kind of like between two ferns. And then Tobin sort of said, but it would be called Between Two Lips. And we all just sort of looked at each other with these 
eyes of it was another light bulb moment almost like vagina coach on stage and that's how the name came to be so it was perfect and it has been sitting in my brain for about two and a half years not knowing that it would turn into a podcast not knowing what how it would express itself but here we are we are coming to the launch of a podcast i was reluctant to launch for a little while because i did have a lot on my plate but now that I have some more space, it was the perfect time to start this conversation and invite others to share their wisdom with you so that the topic of pelvic health, which is really at the end of the day, my main passion is to increase awareness so people know they have options and so that there isn't the suffering and silence that so many people are currently doing. So welcome to Between Two Lips. I hope you find value. I hope you enjoy listening each week. I am always open to questions, so please email me anytime, kim at vaginacoach.com. I will be doing Q&A sessions, and I will be here each week. Sometimes myself, most often with a guest, and I'm really, really excited to have you here. Thank you so much. That's it for another episode of Between Two Lips. Thank you so much for choosing to spend part of your day with me. If you are enjoying the show, I recommend subscribing so you don't miss an episode, and I would also be grateful for a positive review. This will help get the information I share into the hands of more people who may not even know that help exists. Finally, I encourage you to take what you learn here and put it into action so that you can ensure that what you hear me and my guests share is not just lip service.